Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. Big news today. Hunter Biden will plead guilty to two federal tax charges, and he's agreed to enter a pretrial diversion agreement on a gun charge. There have also been several major legal stories relating to former President Donald Trump in the past few days. On Monday, Trump gave a bombshell interview with Fox News' Brett Baer, in which he appeared to admit that he delayed complying with the subpoena requiring him to hand over classified documents. In the case, a judge implemented a so-called no-contact order, barring Trump from discussing the case with witnesses. And The Washington Post is out with a new story detailing how the FBI and DOJ resisted opening an investigation into Trump's involvement in January 6th. Preet Bharara and I discuss all that and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing an excerpt from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. So it is not often that we have breaking news that occurs within minutes of our pressing the record button, but we have that. We're recording 10 a.m. Eastern as usual on Tuesday, June 20th. And just before we began the show, the news broke that there is a apparent plea deal between the United States government, the Department of Justice, more specifically, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Delaware, and Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, you, I think, discovered this because you were lounging about, I guess, preparing to come on the podcast <laughs> when MSNBC said, we need you, I don't know if they do this in TV newsrooms, we need you stat. I think emergency rooms of hospitals and MSNBC television programs, they said, we need Joyce Vance stat. And you were asked what you thought. What on earth did you say, having not read the documents? Right. So it was even more dramatic than that. You know, I was uh, calmly drinking my coffee, uh, getting ready to do the podcast, and they called to ask me to come on regarding something else we're about to talk about, the order setting a trial date for Donald Trump in the Southern District of Florida. It was only as I was seated and we were getting ready to come out of the commercial break that a producer got in my ear and said, let me read you some breaking news and then we'll ask you to talk about it as soon as we come on. So it's been a morning for breaking news, as you say. So this is a hazard of doing live television. I remember the first time I was on some years ago and while I was on with Wolf Blitzer, a, a brief was filed, like a 60-page, I don't know if it was a sentencing memorandum in uh, the Manafort case, but something like that. And I was told that it was filed. And I was told to react. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have telepathic or telekinetic powers, so I don't, I don't know how you want me to respond. And then somebody, a producer, I guess, put in the anchor's ear a sentence from the introduction, and the sentence was read to me, and I was asked what I made of that. Kind of uncomfortable. So you and I have had at least a few minutes now to take a look at what is going on, and it appears what's interesting is, is all this language couching it. So there's some variance between what we say now. And what ends up being the case when this drops, we apologize for that. But it looks like it's a plea agreement to two counts of willful failure to pay federal income tax, right? I think the, the amount in controversy is, is something like $1.2 million. Those are misdemeanor counts. And then separately, there's an agreement for pretrial diversion, meaning a, a, a charge could be filed, but is basically held in abeyance with respect to Hunter Biden's purchase of a, of a gun, 
while knowingly being under the influence of narcotics, while being an addict, which under 18 United States Code Section 922G3, for those of you keeping score at home, uh, is a felony. But that is going to be discarded if he behaves well for a period of time. So two misdemeanor counts done by the United States Attorney for the District of Delaware, who, let's remind everyone, was a Trump appointee, a Trump holdover, who was kept in place pretty much solely for the purpose of being an independent and non-Biden appointee to handle the Hunter Biden affair. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the decision that they've reached here on the counts that they charged is very much within the heartland of, of DOJ practice on these counts, right? These failure to file income taxes charges are most typically charged as a misdemeanor. And we have done that in my district, even in cases involving fairly high profile figures. So that seems to me to be appropriate. You know, we're used to seeing felon in possession of a firearm cases. We don't really see very many drug user in possession of a firearm cases, even though the law authorizes it for the very simple reason that a lot of people in this country use marijuana. And it would be passably strange if they were all prosecuted every time they were found to own a firearm. So this sort of front end diversion program that I, I'm going to just presume that conditions will include Biden must commit no additional crimes. He must have a job. He must work with a probation officer. And if he keeps that up for some period of time, it usually is something like six to 18 months, then those charges against him, the potential charge will be dismissed. So it's a good outcome for him, but it's not unduly favorable. I think what's maybe more important than what is charged is what isn't charged, because David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, also was investigating allegations about business misconduct by Biden, you know, this whole what the Republicans are now calling the Biden crime family sort of allegations. And nothing there was charged. So I don't know if this is the the end. Chris Clark, who's a former colleague and friend from the Southern District of New York, who's the lawyer for Hunter Biden, put out a statement that I saw a few minutes ago saying, you know, essentially, you know, given this news and the reaching of an agreement, it's his understanding that all matters relating to investigation of his client, Hunter Biden, have been resolved. But I, I have not yet seen a statement from the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office from DOJ saying that that all investigative matters with respect to Hunter Biden are closed. They, they may be, but I just don't know that at this moment. Do you? So David Weiss, the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, has now issued a statement about the charges and in that statement, he has indicated that the investigation is ongoing. That answers the open question we had. It's kind of fun doing breaking news. <laughs> it's a <laughs> laugh it a minute. <laughs> so, so we don't know what, that this is the end. It's, it's the, it seems to be the end of this portion of the investigation that relates to the gun, relates to the, the failure to pay taxes, but maybe some of the other larger issues. We'll continue for a little bit and it'll stop some of the complaining on the part of Trump supporters and others. There's been some misreporting this morning, and there has been some suggestion that the, the charge with respect to the gun would not relate to the possession of the gun while being addicted to drugs, but rather lying on the form to purchase the gun, attesting that you were not addicted to drugs and were not using drugs, and that is not the charge. Do you think that makes a difference or not? Well, I, I think, again, these gun statutes are used in a consistent pattern by prosecutors who charge them. 
And in a situation like this, it's the possession charge, the 922G charge, that's more frequently charged. So that makes a lot of sense to me. That's how I would charge it. But we had an interesting conversation before the podcast where you suggested that you thought that this charge of possession was more serious than what I would call the lying and buying charge. I don't know offhand because I haven't had a chance to look it up what the statutory max is for the lying and buying. But I think, you know, all, all possession of a firearm, if you're a prohibited person, charges are pretty significant. We did a lot of felon in possession cases. It was my, my first trial ever that I had as a prosecutor was a felon in possession case. And we did a lot of them in, in the Southern District because we thought they helped to stem violence and incapacitated people who were capable of and had engaged in violence. But I don't remember ever charging we may have, but I don't remember ever charging or signing off on an indictment of of this nature. But, you know, it happens. You know, it's just really an interesting point and, and worth highlighting that the gun laws in different states really do make a, a difference. In Alabama, where it's very easy to purchase a firearm, you know, almost mandatory, right? Your kid turns 10 and, and you get him a gun. I mean, I'm not serious when I say that, but sometimes it feels that way. But because we're a source state, people come down here and buy guns that show up in other states used in crimes, that lying and buying charge is something that's often used in what I would call a straw man situation where someone buys a firearm for a prohibited person. And that's the most common use of, of that part of the statute, whereas what Hunter Biden is now charged with, the possession charge, is used for the, the prohibited person themselves. Okay, that might have been too nerdy for this early in the morning. So the big question is going to be now, from the debate, given the investigation of Donald Trump, the two pending criminal cases against Donald Trump, are there two tiers of justice? Did Hunter Biden get off easy? I'm not sure what else Joe Biden and Merrick Garland could have done to insulate this from politics other than keep in place, which by the way, Donald Trump in a million, in a million freaking years, just call this out. Donald Trump is going to be braying like a stuck pig about this. Not in a million years, if he entered upon office, whether in 2016 or if he does again in 2024, if there was a pending investigation of Donald Trump Jr. or one of his other children, would he have retained the U.S. attorney appointed by Joe Biden? In, not in a million years, not in a billion years. No, he would have just ordered the investigation to be terminated. Yeah, you know. so I'm a little sick and tired. I mean, over, over several years, but the, I don't know another word to use, but the annoying, self-interested, delusional braying on the part of the former president about the injustice that is perpetrated against him and the two standards and everything else. Like, what, what else was the president supposed to do other than retain a person who was appointed by his predecessor and his political rival to make whatever decisions he thought were appropriate? What else were you supposed to do? Nothing. The attorney general handled this in the best way possible. He was not obligated to do this, but it's DOJ's practice to retain a U.S. attorney who's conducting an investigation in a matter like this, at least when Democrats hold the White House. You know, this happened in the John Edwards case, too. It's the right thing to do. You're right that that won't stop Trump. But I think that's something that hopefully folks won't give a lot of oxygen to. By the way, not only would Trump never have maintained the employment of a Biden-appointed or an Obama-appointed U.S. attorney to investigate his son, he would fire the prosecutor and he would pardon his kid. <laughs> Bingo. Neither of which things... Joe Biden is going to do. So, you know, whatever you may say about the treatment 
it's not a small thing to be charged by the federal government, even if it's a misdemeanor. It's not a small thing to agree to plead guilty and to accept responsibility. And the other matters that are still open, we'll see what happens with those. So there was other breaking news. I guess it's not really breaking news, but but other sort of interesting news in the last 24 hours. It was a very lengthy investigative report from Carol Lennig and others at the Washington Post that, you know, if it's okay to say, confirms what you and I have been speculating about and others have been speculating about for quite some time. And in great detail, based on interviews with lots and lots of people familiar with the thinking of the leadership in the Justice Department, including, it appears, people who are talking within the Justice Department to the Washington Post, there is confirmation based on that reporting, at least, that the FBI and DOJ delayed in opening an investigation into Trump and the people at the White House and in his circle with respect to January 6th for over a year, for about 15 months. Surprising to you or not? Well, I think it's what we observed happening in real time, so not surprising in that sense. The reporting is is very interesting, and I wonder if you agree with Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.